Hello, everyone, and welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast that's all about recommending queer movies, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bryant, and I'm a contemporary romance writer with almost 20 books about women loving women. And I'm Tara Scott, and I review queer women's fiction at the Lesbian Review, Lambda Literary, and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. So we actually don't have listener questions today, but we do have one listener follow-up, and we thought we'd kick it off just by sharing that. Wendy shared in response to Chris's official recommendation, it was last time that was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, right? Yes. The time before last. Every time I go to say that book, my brain wants to say The Seven Wives of Evelyn Hugo. It's like, (laughs) that's not the title. (laughs) No, that's not. But so Wendy said, I have a rec for anyone who loved Evelyn Hugo. I can't believe this didn't occur to me before, but Neither Present Time by Karen Whirlinger is a really good comparison. Flashback storytelling, faded mates, just a lovely and bittersweet story. Highly recommended. So thank you, Wendy, for passing that along. I bet people are going to jump on that one. Yeah, I bet, because, like, everybody jumped on the Evelyn Hugo train. Except for me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I will. I will. I'm just, I'm very much in a podcast listening place, not an audio listening, audiobook listening place. I tried listening to an audiobook recently that, well, it was the audiobook for Hidden Figures, which I had been super excited about. It was finally my turn from the library. I put it on. I was like, this is really good. And then my brain was like, it's too long. It's too long. Here's the problem. No more than an hour. (laughs) Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. It didn't grab you from the beginning. Whereas I, I ha- how many audiobooks in my life have I listened to? You know the answer. Ten. It's like maybe ten. that, maybe 10. <laughs> and so this book was so good. The audiobook was so good that I listened to it twice. I still can't believe you listened to it twice. I know. So that right there should tell you drop everything and just pick it up. But I've started listening to the Wrong About podcast. <sighs> but you can do that. But you need to do this for me. Okay. Okay. Get I do. It. I do. I gotta buy it. You but do. I will. I will. And and definitely, really, the audiobook because somebody put a post on one of the social media sites and said, "I'm finally jumping on the bandwagon and I'm going to read this book." And everybody's like, "No, no, no! I've done both. You need to listen to the audiobook. And Was I'm it for Georgia sure. Beers? Because Georgia Beers, I saw recent. She recently posted. She's like, "I'm doing it. I'm finally doing it." And all I could think was, Chris Bryant would tell you that you should listen to the audiobook. <laughs> okay, like- Georgia Beers doesn't give a shit about what Chris Bryant says. Okay, <laughs> she's gonna read the book, and I'm like, everybody listen to the audiobook. Truly, because I, mm-hmm. I'm that person, you know. But it, the audiobook was just so good, so mm-hmm. good. I believe you. I believe. Yeah, you. I, I, I'm gonna be very disappointed if you pick up the book and not the audiobook as I have highly, highly, highly recommended in my life. Now you're activating the most belligerent part of myself. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, when I, when somebody tells you you need to do something and you fight back with, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah when somebody I know. <laughs> tells me to do something or tells me not to do something, there was one time, okay. did I ever tell you about Don't listen to the audiobook. Do not listen to the audiobook. That's all I can do. That's all I'm going to do then. <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time that I had spite ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> no, but please. I was in Toronto. It was before the pandemic, but I was in Toronto and I was there for a work trip, but I was staying with one of my best friends and she, she's the one that we watch the movies with. And mm-hmm. so we, she's like, okay, you got to try this ice cream plate. Cause I was like, I want to try ice cream. This is what I want. So we went to some like a total local staple that's been there for more than 50 years kind of place. 
And then we went to another place where you get to actually watch them make the ice cream because they do it with dry ice. And that was really fucking cool. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It was super cool. And there was another one that I don't remember. Oh, Dippery, which I also love, um, oh, is yeah. another Canadian. I wouldn't call it a chain, but it's like out of Quebec. And then they have like one here in Calgary, one in Toronto. And then one of my coworkers, because I was in the office and one of them was like, well, did you try Bang Bang ice cream? <laughs> and I was like, no, man, I haven't. This is my last day. And I've had ice cream at three places already. And another coworker turned to me and he said, you better not have that ice cream. You've had too much ice cream. And I was like, well, there you guess go. Guess what? <laughs> We're getting some bang bang. And I went to bang bang and it was the best of all of them. So if we have any Toronto listeners that have not tried bang bang ice cream yet, or if you are going to visit Toronto, you absolutely must go. It is so good. I had a miso and sour cherry ice cream. Oh, wow. No, roasted cherries. I know that sounds weird. I, I thought it was weird. And I asked them, I was like, what's that like? And they said, it tastes like cheesecake. And I said, ooh, okay. And then I tried it and it tastes like cheesecake. <laughs> it's so good. Lucky. I'm not, you know, I'm not real big on ice cream, believe it or no. not. It's it's not my treat. No, that's not my thing. Ooh, that is definitely, oh, big time. Big time. One of my things. Well, what is your treat? Everything but. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, I love sweets. I love mm. sweets. But I never got into ice cream. And I don't know why that is. I wonder if it's because you never had real good ice cream. See, everybody says that. It's like fish. I don't like fish. And everybody's like, well, you just have never had it prepared correctly. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't like fish. I just don't like it. People say that to me about Brussels sprouts, too. And yeah. uh, I've had it all kinds of ways. I've had people say to me, no, even people that hate Brussels sprouts like it this way. And they'll do it with like bacon and sugar. And I'm like, yeah, it still tastes like Brussels sprouts. The only time I had it that I really, really liked it was this like super fancy restaurant here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And they fried it in duck fat. And then they drizzled lemon over it and put some chilies. And it's, you know what it is? It's because it tastes like duck fat. Everything tastes better with duck fat. See, no, I'm out on that one. I don't eat duck. I don't do duck fat. Mm. What? No. The oh. best, the best way to roast potatoes. I actually did not eat turkey on Thanksgiving because I have this thing where sometimes meat just tastes gamey to me. You know, I don't eat mm-hmm. a lot of meat. I don't eat beef. I don't eat pork. I, the only thing I do eat is poultry. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, I'll get something that tastes gamey and then I'm out for like a month. I won't eat it. I oh, won't yeah. eat don't anything. Eat, don't eat duck. Yeah, I, it. it's everybody but says meat. it's, yeah, I'm out on that. Nope, not doing it. Hmm. All right. So, Chris. Yes. <laughs> what have you been watching or reading since we last spoke? Well, even though I have like a ton of deadlines, mm-hmm. I actually beta read a book this week and I did it on Thanksgiving after dinner. I went ahead and quickly beta read a book for somebody. But also I binge watched Hannah season two. No, I'm sorry. Season three. Season three. What's Hannah? Oh my gosh. Hannah is, um, it's, I think it started off as a movie several years ago and then it turned into a series. Mm-hmm. So it's basically teenagers, teenage girls who are trained to kill. All right. Assassins. They're assassins, teenage assassins. And it's just really interesting. So I literally binge watched season three. Well, so yesterday. So it took me like, I did watch like the first first episode i think i watched it on thanksgiving night and then i Mm -hmm. finished it up on friday so i did that and then i finished the morning show season two i finished that Mm -hmm. 
And I started Wheel of Time, which is on Prime uh, Amazon Prime. It's kind of I... like Game of Thrones Z type stuff. Yeah, because they're they're adapting the Robert Jordan series. I'm mostly tempted because Rosamund Pike is a gorgeous, but I haven't read any of the books, and I've heard yeah. that if you haven't read the books, it's a little harder to follow. They say that there are over 2,700 characters in the books. Ugh. So I'm basically just watching it for visual effects. Mm-hmm. And you does know, it hold up for that? It does. It holds up pretty well for it, you know, and I kind of understand what's going on, but I don't know any of the backstories or you know, I'm the kind of person that goes into something just to be entertained. I don't need mm-hmm. to know, like, the 600-year history of it. I just need to know, like, what's happening on screen and who this person is. No. And, you know, just the, the surface level is what I need to know. Because I'm not really watching it. I mean, I am, but I'm also writing. So, yeah. as long as I kind of have the overview, I'm good. It's entertaining. I still, I, d- I admire, but I don't understand how you can watch TV and write, but still follow what right. is happening in the TV show. <laughs> That's the part that I don't understand. It's like, how are you actually taking in what's happening? I don't get it. I just It's the best way for me to write. It's its worked mm-hmm. so far. So Absolutely. I'm not knocking it. No. <laughs> Although I, I will say, like, if I am at my desk, if I'm working, working, mm-hmm. and I'm at my desk, and I'm sitting up, and I'm in a chair at a desk, mm-hmm. I do write. I can I can bang out some pretty good words. But it's not, it's not a comfort thing for me. That's like when my mind's like, okay, we must work. We must write. Whereas if I'm on the couch, I've got a lot of things going on. I'll, you know, I can get like 2000 words a day that way. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, you see online, all these people are like, hey, I wrote 8,000 words today. I wrote 12,000 words today. I'm like, how, how did that, how, how is that possible? Are these people day jobs? But also... It seems like they declare that on the day that it happens, but it's not happening every day. No, but even still, like on a good day, I'll get 4,000 and I'm exhausted. Like I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what about you, Tara? What have you been reading and watching? All right. So Drag Race UK is over. Oh, and it's, mm, I don't know. Eh. It was a season. Eh. So Crystal Versace won. And I believe that. She is the youngest winner in the Drag Race franchise history, either on her own or she might be tied with Aquaria, who was the winner, I think, for season 10? I don't remember. Sure. So Crystal Versace is gorgeous. Like, truly, truly, truly stunning drag queen. So beautiful. And ended up having more range than I expected because I thought she would show up and only be able to serve looks and not be able to do anything else. And, you know, for the acting challenges, she was quite funny. Uh, For the improv challenges, she was not the best. But (laughs) it's been interesting watching the reaction online because a lot of people are pissed off that she won. Very similar to the last season of Drag Race UK, where everybody felt that somebody got robbed. And I kind of got to say, I agree. Because the other two queens that made it to the top three, so talented, so funny, incredible singers. And there's one in particular. So here's a weird thing about Drag Race UK. They the there is no cash prize at the end of every episode, like there is in the US and Canada. Hmm. I think it's some kind of a regulatory thing in the UK. Like I think there's just something that says that you can't win cash prizes on shows. Oh, that's weird. It is super weird because it's like these queens are putting in as much work. 
as the other right. franchises, and they don't get to recoup any of their costs for it. I suppose they can book more lucrative gigs later, so that's good. Yeah. But they get, at the end of each episode, if they're the winner of the episode, they get what they call a Rupeter badge. And Crystal Versace got two. Kitty Scott Claus got two. But Elevaday got four. Wow. And was so good and such a powerhouse and did not win that season. And so I am a little bit bitter. Sounds like it. I get that, like, her final lip sync was not as good. But also, like, is it, are we truly giving out, like, the winner of the whole season based on one single lip sync? Or does, like, the whole season not count? That's the thing that I don't understand. I can answer this. What do you? I can answer yes, this. do it. I can answer this because I have been watching the Great British Baking Show. And this comes up a lot in the final. Like, the season finale, mm-hmm. when it's down to three. It's interesting because when it was down to four, everybody who, who, everybody thought, Jurgen was going to make it to the finale because he won Star Baker mm-hmm. like four times. So it's kind of the same situation. Yeah. And he just totally like crashed and burned on that episode. And so they had know. to take it from that week, you know, how everybody did that week because they were all like the yeah. final three were all really good. And so it's just basically they, they couldn't go, they couldn't do like an overview of the season. They had to do strictly for that particular one because everybody came in on equal playing field. So they had to do it for that. And it's sad because Jorgen was pretty amazing, but he just screwed up one thing. And so I feel like that's kind of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, all I got to say is justice for Jorgen and Ella Day. <laughs> that's yeah. what I would like to see. Uh, so that is over. Canada's Drag Race is still going on. And yet again, I had another week where I woke up the next morning and said, who was sent home? <laughs> so I just, I don't think it's the, it's, it's not the most compelling season of Drag Race anything. Yeah. Bummer. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm sorry. It's all right. But I've been watching another show that more than makes up for Ooh. it. One of my colleagues... Uh, when she found out, she's uh, pretty new to our company. And when she found out that, you know, I do this podcast, I do the book review, whatever. She's like, oh, my God, you need to watch a show. It's on Showtime. It's called Work in Progress. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I started watching it. And holy shit, she is right. Mm-hmm. And if anybody hasn't watched it yet, you absolutely need to watch this show. It is so super queer. Abby McEnany, she heads it up. She uh, came out of improv in sh- the improv community in Chicago. and. She describes herself as a fat queer dyke. Mm -hmm. Like, she looks very, very butch. To me, she looks like a kind of fat Tim Cook. (laughs) I don't know. If you look up a picture. I'm looking right now. (laughs) Like, it's honestly, it's not at all a dig. That's just what I see. Like, if you had them in a show together, I'd be like, yeah, okay, they would be siblings. That would make sense to me. And so the first episode is. Abby basically talking about how her life sucks. You know, she's 45. She's single. um, She hates her job. She hates a lot of things. And she decides to count out 180 almonds. She saw it as, as a microaggression that a colleague was like, oh, I went to Costco. Here, have these healthy almonds. And she's like, fuck you. Are you saying I'm fat? Like, you're buying me healthy food. What's going on? And so she counts out 180 almonds and every day she throws one away. And at the end of at the end of 180 days, if her life isn't better, she's going to kill herself is is what she says. Wow. But the way the show is going so far, I'm pretty sure she's not going to kill herself. <laughs> she in that same first episode, 
a waiter asks her out. It's a trans man who's much, much younger than her. I think he's 22. She's 45, like I said. And so there's something really sweet that's kind of develops between them. I'm a few episodes in. They meet Julia Sweeney and go really kind of hard in on the idea. Of, she talks about how Julia Sweeney ruined her life with the Pat character from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that character? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And talking about how, that. like, you know, as a, a butch woman, like, as a woman whose gender is ambiguous when you look at her, the Pat character actually did a lot of harm. And the thing that I love about this show is that Julia Sweeney doesn't show up for one episode and then disappear. She's on regularly and they continue to talk about this. And I know that like Julia Sweeney is playing a character that is Julia Sweeney. But at the same time, I find it really interesting that it's this like, in a way, kind of doing the work and properly apologizing to the queer community in a way that like, wow. you know, a quote in an article wouldn't have done it you know a tweet series wouldn't have done it this show goes hard on that on the consequences of that kind of a thing and shows julia sweeney trying to learn more and trying to do better which i love wow i also love there have been times where i was like oh god what kind of fuck-ups are there going to be on the trans rep and it's just not there and i was like huh I, there's a lot of like confidence here what's happening and then i found out that lily wachowski writes directs and produces the show so, I mean, when you have a trans woman helming, I right. think that helps. Right. So it's very funny. It's very, very quirky. I hate giving this away because it was such a delight to watch, but I feel like it's worth giving a little bit of a content warning in case it's going to be a problem for anybody in the first episode. So it opens with Abby talking to her therapist about all the things that are awful in her life. And her therapist actually dies, like, during that. Like, she gets oh, to the no. end of that speech and her therapist <laughs> is dead. And so if that's likely to be triggering to anybody, you might want to skip past the first 10 minutes or so. And then you can kind of go on. But, like, it's very good. We love it very, very much. In terms of what I've been reading, so Lee Winter, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Big, big, big fan of her books. She has a new book coming out on December 8th, The Awkward Truth. And I did a thing that I don't usually do, although I did it for Brit Rider as well. No! Mm-hmm. Go back Brit. and read the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that the new book is a spinoff of. And so The Awkward Truth is a spinoff of The Brutal Truth. And I thought, all right, I'll go give this one a try. And here's the thing about my complicated relationship with The Brutal Truth. I liked it <laughs> the first time I read it. I thought it was a fine romance. But to me, it didn't like catch my heart the same way that some of her other books did like the red files and like requiem for immortals so i was like like i liked it but like for me it was like oh it's it's not like lauren and Catherine Ayers. i love them like you know sometimes you just like one of an author's books more than others but i've right. seen so many people talk about how it's like the ultimate ice cream book and right. especially recently that it finally i was like you know what there's a new one coming out it's time to revisit it, and I'm here to say that I was wrong. I was so wrong about this book because it's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, my God. I read almost all of it yesterday, and it is not a short book. I'm not sure right. how long it is, but it's not. You know how, like, some lesbian books, you pick it up, and you're done in, like, three or four hours? Yes. No, I read most of yesterday. Like, I was just reading <laughs> most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> to, to read this thing. And I think I'm about 20 minutes from the end, finally. So what I love 
is I, I fully agree with everybody who says that Elena Bartel is an incredible ice queen. Yes, absolutely. And watching her thaw is so, so good. That is my favorite. Like watching the growth, seeing the relationship build. What I will stand by as mm-hmm. not my favorite. You and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording. My main thing is that the burn is so slow <laughs> in this book that in my head I'm shouting, just fucking kiss already. <laughs> because you know you want to. <laughs> um, and it takes them a really long time. They, I looked it up just to actually be sure. They don't have their first kiss until the 84% mark of this book. And also the book, I just looked, and it has uh, 362 pages. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. So, it takes a while to get to that first kiss. It takes a real long while. And, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, it's good, but, like, and they're not even actually together together until past the 90% mark. Which, for me, like, I like a slow burn, but for me, that's an awfully slow burn. Hmm. So, I think... If you're a reader who loves slow burn, I mean, definitely read it. But, like, if you love the slow burn that, like, is torturous, oh, <laughs> this book is for you. Right up there with Lola Keeley's first book, the ballet one. That also has one hell of... Well, no. Does it have a slow burn? So, I'm trying to think of how to put this. You will will have much better words for this because you actually live and breathe story construction in a way that I do not. (laughs) But kind of that the point in the story at which the reader is sure that a happily ever after is happening. Bam. Yeah. What's that thing called? Is there a name for that? Uh, uh, I just write it. I don't know. I know there's (laughs) an arc and I know where it's supposed to be. It's not the climax of of the movie. See, there you go again climax of the book but no sweet spot i don't know yeah i don't know know. well in the case of that book it doesn't happen until like two percent until the end and you're at a full-on panic by that point yeah yeah like is it gonna happen and i mean specifically for the music of the mirror like the thing that i appreciate with the brutal truth in contrast to the music in the mirror is that i've known for a long time like by the time they get together sure it's past the 90 percent mark but it's very 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 clear that it's going to happen. Whereas in the music in the mirror, I was genuinely still concerned at the 95% mark. I'm like, oh, fuck, is she gonna give me a satisfactory happily ever after? <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, Awkward Truth coming out December 8th. I haven't read it yet. I will report back. But the brutal truth, I eat my words, is so fucking good. Good. And I think Elena Bartel might be Lee Winter's best ice cream. Oh. I know. Wow. I know. And I still adore Catherine Ayers, but <sighs> not Elena Bartel. <laughs> you know? Like, I just, I don't know. The heart is fickle, I'm I sure you'll have a lot of support with that. I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of readers mm-hmm. will agree. Also notable, I think this is the first time since the pandemic started that I have gotten so sucked into a book that I've read pretty much the whole thing in one day and it's not been a novella. Hmm. So also, right? Kudos to that book. Yeah. All right. The last thing in terms of reading and watching, and this is the reason if people are like, what do you mean there's no listener questions? Listen, we didn't even try to go get any. We didn't do any (laughs) like 
we didn't have any planned preamble to this, although I did go off on an ice cream tangent because I will always go off on an ice cream tangent because I love ice cream. Because since we last spoke, I watched The Happiest Season. And we talked about, should we do a commentary track for this? And I didn't really give you much room to have an opinion on it because I refused to watch it again i hated it so much now keep in mind that i did watch the rocky horror picture show twice and i did it for you okay okay so here here are my thoughts on that okay the first half of rocky horror is at least great right and yes the last half i agree horrific the last half is deadly boring and you'll never get that hour back of your life and i, I apologize I, twice two hours but like the happiest i don't know the last time i've had a film make me as angry (laughs) as happiest season and i actually really felt like i could not in good conscience (laughs) ask our listeners to watch that goddamn train wreck of an abusive relationship film now we have to start off by saying that the happiest season came out last year it did and i watched it last year and so many people were either like diehard fans or fuck this this is the worst movie ever yes and so i watched it and i really wanted tara to watch it and she was like "Hmm, i don't think so because there's too much like it was too far apart like nobody was just kind of eh about it Mm-mm. it was either one extreme or the other mm-hmm. so uh so finally tara watched the movie i watched it last year and i watched it again so we could discuss because oh, that had been a year man. so i do think it was interesting that it was actually meant to be a theatrical release but unfortunately you know covid got in the way right i think that was huge i mean that is right. huge for the community right right right, right. but if only it hadn't been so painful to watch i just like the whole time i wanted to save kristen stewart and i'm i'm kristen stewart is quite similar to this movie is one of those people love her or they hate her i am generally kristen stewart neutral i don't know i don't seek her out i won't Uh, avoid something if she's in it but in this particular case she made me love her because I felt like she was in a hostage situation and I wanted to extract her from there. Right. And all the people that said that her character should have ended up with Aubrey Plaza's character, I was like, Riley. yeah. Yeah. 100%. Let's do that. Let her be with Riley. Because. Right. Okay. So for people who don't know what this movie is about, I suppose we should probably describe it. Oh, why don't you read the blurb? I'm not going to do that. That might. I don't have uh, it in okay. front of me, but I will describe it. So. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, you do it fairly, though, because you're you're pretty heated. I'm going right to do now. my best. <laughs> okay. So, this movie has Kristen Stewart as Abby, and her girlfriend is Harper, who is played by Mackenzie Davis, and they seem very, very happy. It seems like they've been together for what, probably a couple of years, right? If I had to yeah, guess, I think so you know, they're because they moved in together after like six months yeah. ago. That's how that. Yeah, yeah, and. Abby is not really big on Christmas. Her parents had died however many years before, and she doesn't really celebrate anymore. And Harper is like, I just wish that you would like Christmas. They're, she takes her on a walk, kind of like a neighborhood walk of, I don't know, their town or whatever. Christmas, Christmas lights. lights walk. Yeah. And she's all swept up in the moment and says, why don't you come to my family's Christmas? It'll be amazing. 
And Abby's like, I don't know. I'm supposed to pet sit all these pets. And Harper's like, you can find somebody else to pet sit all the pets. Just come with us. It's going to be amazing. The next morning, Abby says, yeah, I'm going to go. And I'm really excited. And Harper's like, you don't have to if you don't want to. And that was the time my stomach started to fall because I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, you have regrets. And they're in the car on the way there. And Harper says, so my family doesn't know that I'm with. Remember how I told you last summer that I told my family that I'm a lesbian and that we're together and it was really good. And she was like, yeah. And she's like, that didn't happen. And she's like, it it didn't go well. And she's like, no, no, I didn't tell them. So Abby is walking into a situation where everybody thinks that she is an orphaned roommate. Straight. And a straight orphan roommate. Right. And Abby had been planning to propose to Harper and ask Harper's dad for her hand. And And Harper's dad is kind of a jerk because he's running. He's a politician. He's running for mayor. mayor Yeah. yeah, Is it mayor? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he needs the perfect family and he has three daughters Mm -hmm. that are, they, they all, everybody has flaws. And Mm -hmm. so, but, but what's her name again? Harper. Harper Mm -hmm. is perfect in his eyes. Yeah. Perfect. She's successful. She's a a golden child because the youngest child is very, very quirky and she is writing speculative fiction novels and the oldest daughter is married and was like this high-powered lawyer or something like that and dropped out of that so that she and her husband they both quit their jobs and they're creating like curated gift baskets or something like that like these really bougie baskets that are really (laughs) expensive and he's like well harper you're the only one i can depend on in it okay so this is supposed to be a rom-com it's horrible and i didn't laugh okay let's start off by saying Dan Levy. Wonderful. Yeah. He made this whole movie worthwhile. He did. And he had some pretty funny moments, too. So I had to laugh with him. Like, all of the laughing scenes were with him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, all four of them. Well, yeah. And he has the most beautiful speech of yes. the whole movie. And to be fair, sure. I think this is the speech where it's supposed to turn around all the viewers like me, where he basically says to abby who's like i don't know that i can do this anymore i think i just need to go and he says something to the effect of some people some queer people get to have really good coming out experiences where their families still love them regardless and some people have really really bad coming out experiences and every person who has to come out has trepidation going into it because they don't know what kind of experience they're going to have. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to be somewhere in between? And as he was saying all of that, I was like, yeah, I, I can, I can kind of, I can kind of understand that that is absolutely true for me though. I felt like it was too little too late because it's not just like Harper pushing Abby to the side. We're, I, I don't feel, I feel like we should have at the beginning of this said we're probably going to have a lot of spoilers as we talk about this because I don't see how we can talk about this without spoilers. So, Uh, right. Also, I don't recommend anyone watches this film anyway. So I do not feel bad about spoilers. But if you don't want to be spoiled, I don't know, jump ahead like 10 minutes or something (laughs) and it'll be better. But I just felt like the way Harper's family treated Abby is so bad and Harper let them do it and encouraged some of it. And then for me, it was even even worse than all of that 
is like Harper just continuing to hang out with her ex-boyfriend. Right. The whole time, like, you bring this person here who is supposed to be the love of your life, who doesn't know any of these fucking people, and you let your family treat her like shit, and then when you're all at a you bring her out to a bar with your straight friends who you are not out with, and when she says she wants to go, you just hang out with your ex-boyfriend for another three hours? Right. Calm. Yeah. That was, it was rough. It was rough. That was like, I, ugh, I just, it, I would, ugh, I'm just, I would have left fronts and yeah, I would have left too. I would have left. I mean, without a doubt, I'm at that age where it's like, yeah, fuck this, I'm out. I mean, I don't need this stress. Mm-mm. That is just Mm-mm. that it was bad. The thing. But, I, oh no, what were you about ahead. to say? Um, you were still going, you go girl. <laughs> I was still going. So I also read some interviews with Clea Duvall. Because she's the director and one of the co-writers on this. And uh, she was talking about how, you know, she pulled from personal experiences and whatever. But the thing that she talked a lot about in those interviews is how we are seeing Harper in the worst four days of her life. And that this is really kind of about Harper's growth. And, you know, that there can be redemption even in the kind of the worst four days of someone's life. And I was like, oh... Okay, I kind of get it. And she was referencing even details like Harper wears big baggy clothes when she's on, like look at the winter coat that she has when they're walking around the neighborhood. But then she has to wear these really fitted things when she's around her family. And there were like all these details Hmm. that I hadn't been able to pick up on because, I mean, it's a winter coat. Winter coats are bulky. And like, I think if this movie had had an extra scene at the beginning where we see Harper and Abby really happy together and you see who Harper actually is because the argument was basically that Harper slowly and slow like she kind of regresses over the course of the film into who she is when she's around her family but I didn't get to see who she is when she was with Abby I didn't feel like that one scene of them walking around the neighborhood gave me a good sense of who she was because immediately the next morning she had her like oh fuck what did I do what am I bringing her into so I think if that had been there I might have been able to empathize with her more but i just didn't have that kind of connection so again the whole time i was just like no get get abby out harper needs therapy i still think harper needs therapy but like get abby out get her with somebody who wants to be out riley right (laughs) right 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 exactly and we also need to talk about the other abuse in this (sighs) the other sister Oh my god. The things that they do Jane? to Jane mm-hmm. is it's awful. I mean, she's super quirky and they treat her like the family embarrassment. Yes. And they actually keep her in the basement be- and they say because she had night terrors. But really they're just embarrassed by her and it's just it's awful. Like this family is horrible. Here's the thing that's wild to me. So Mary Holland plays that character. She's also a co-writer on this film. What? And maybe she was going for humor, but it it did not work. No, like it the was humor of Jane did not work. It, it made her look so desperate to be needed in this mm-hmm. family, and it's like you know trying to to please her abusers. You know that's and she's how old is she in this movie? Twenty six? Yeah, 25, probably twenty seven. Somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, somewhere around. Yeah, and it's like at that point, you know, just. Find your own place. I know. And she is the best person in that family. 100%. The only one I would hang out with. Right. 
Yeah, because she's fun and quirky and a little bit different and odd. And But then, you know, they have her coming across as desperate. And mm-hmm. just for any sort of attention, any sort of love, she's desperate for this. And it's so sad. It, 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 they're supposed to come across as funny, but it actually is very sad. Well, and the one time I did, one of the few times I remember actually laughing out loud. No, I think she was in both scenes. So the one was um, when one of them is holding the box of of um, bottles of wine. Oh, yeah. And it falls and they pick it back up and she's like, oh, maybe it'll be fine. And then the bottom falls out. I don't know. Physical comedy gag made me laugh. The other one, I laughed and then I was like, hang on, that's actually really mean, was at the end when, so the parents are Victor Garber and Mary Steenburgen. And she says something about, and we gave up on Jane when she was biting all those kids in preschool. Right. Which I was like, on the one hand, I was like, haha. And then I was like, no, wait. That's, you're four years old. You gave up on a toddler? Right. What kind of monsters are these parents? So what else did you like? I liked one other element. No, I like two elements. I thought that at least the kissing scenes were organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yes. liked that. I felt I felt the chemistry, mm-hmm. which I'm this I'm trying to I'm looking for the positive. Yeah. So that's kind of I have a thing with that. I need to know on screen. It doesn't matter if it's a heterosexual couple or a homosexual couple. Mm-hmm. I need to feel the chemistry. It needs to be there. Yes. And I feel that they did have that chemistry. So. I felt that. So that was good. I felt I felt good about that. Yeah. So what about you? What was one thing you liked about it? I liked the two of my favorite drag queens are in this movie. So there is a great <laughs> scene. Probably the one. Right. Again, all the people that hated it were like, the only good scene in this movie is at the drag bar. And I was like, yes, it is. Now, right. I think it, we had different reasons <laughs> for thinking it was the best scene. Everybody else liked it because that was where you right. saw... You saw Abby and she was out with Riley, who was played by Aubrey Plaza. And just like the chemistry between these two. Right. Is so good. Spot on. So good. I can't even imagine how much fanfic was written about them. I kind of want to go find out now. I will look it up later. Right. But at that drag bar, they had two of my favorite drag queens very much in RuPaul's Drag Race. So winner of season five, Bendelo. Nope. Jinx Monsoon is the winner of season five. And then from season six. And All-Stars 3, Bendelocrem. And they are so, I mean, they're just phenomenal. So good. And if you right. want to see more of them, and especially more of them doing, like, Christmas stuff, they there's the Jinx and Dela holiday special, which I think you can rent on Amazon Prime. I'd have to check. But it's definitely something that's available. It came out last year when there was no touring due to COVID. So that, for me, was that. And Dan Levy. Definitely. It was wonderful. Well... Another thing I want to point out that I thought was kind of cool about this movie, one of the other things was that Kristen Stewart had a great job. She was a pet sitter. Yeah. Like, how awesome is that? Yeah. And at the big family Christmas party, she looked very good. Yes. That was one. Yes, for sure. Like, everybody has a picture. Like, on Twitter, you see it where it has her wearing that kind of a suit with the like, did Denny bother to, to uh, yeah, button up the shirt? No, and, the, and the tie's undone, yes, but hanging around yep. her neck. And it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So everybody, like, I am, I'm one of those people, I'm not a Kristen Stewart fan. I'm just not. I mean, mm-hmm. I liked Twilight. I did watch the movies. I, I think she just doesn't act. And um, she just doesn't act. I mean, she had uh-huh. a, she, she kind of plays the same characters. I'm not, she's, you know, that whole movie What about movie in this movie, thing. though? So she did a better job. She she did a better job for sure. Mm-hmm. But I would just like to point out, I still think she's kind of an ass because like she does all these movies and everybody teases her about her 
inability to act, and then she gets nominated for, I think, what, an Emmy or something? She's up for Princess Diana? Oh, I don't know. Or, yeah, there's something she got nominated for, and she's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I hate it. I hate it when people do that. I hate it when, when musicians do that. Like, uh-huh. if they get nominated for something, oh, I don't give a shit. No, you do. Mm-hmm. It's like Pearl Jam. Like, they were nominated, like, years and years ago for mm-hmm. something. They're like, yeah, fuck that. We're out. We don't care. Yeah, you care. You do care. <laughs> So, and I feel like Kristen Stewart kind of needs this, this, whatever, I don't know what, what it's for. I don't know if it's, if it's a Emmy, Oscar, I don't know. No, Globe, I don't know. But whatever. She's up for something. And she's like, I don't give a shit. And I'm like, yeah, you're fucking lying. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I'm done. So I still have bitter feelings. You know, I mean, yes, she did a good job in this movie, but overall I, she's still on my no list. I think the other thing that's worth noting, and it's probably a pretty good segue into official recommendations. Ah, yeah. Okay. Good is you know part of the conversation last year is even the for the people that were sticking up for this film even if they didn't like it they said like look it's not perfect it has lots of problems but hopefully this means there's going to be more representation and this year because that was wasn't that the first so there was that and then there was that other one from tello films but like this was the first queer holiday film that was going to get a theatrical release that was put on but yeah like that's huge and there were very few even of the christmas romance or rom-com films i think this was one of the very first that had lesbians like there just weren't that many and if you look this year there are a handful of them that have lesbians in them so chris what's your official recommendation this week (laughs) so i kind of have to preface this so we all know that I love Twitter. I'm like a Twitter whore. You know, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. and Twitter is great for my ADD. And like my, my thoughts are like all over the place. And so I spend most of the time on Twitter scrolling. So this is me. I'm like, fuck politics. I hate him. Oh, he's such an asshole. Oh, I love that book too. Like, oh, what a cute puppy. <laughs> um, you know, oh, I've never seen what the bottom of an elephant's foot looks like. You know, <laughs> this is my thought process. All day long. And then... Yeah, all day long. Oh, she's got the cutest baby. Oh, great. Another actor, far right actors throwing money at Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. I know. That we do. <laughs> We're not going to talk about mm-hmm. it. No. So, so then I saw this tweet. Somebody I'm friends with retweeted this tweet. It was by Canadian actress Allie Liebert. Uh-huh. Canadian. Oh, Canadian. good people. There you go. <laughs> so this was the tweet. It said, spoiler alert. And then there was like a little rainbow. And every time a bell rings, Nora gets the girl. Never thought I'd see the day that I'd be playing a lesbian in a Hallmark Christmas movie. This is progress, and I'm proud to be a part of it. That was the tweet. Yay. So I saw the rainbow, and I saw Hallmark, and I was like, oh my god, I must check this out. Mm-hmm. Like, I've said a thousand times on the show that I'm a Hallmarker, not a lifetimer. Mm-hmm. I just like Hallmark movies because they're sweet and predictable, and just pour some syrup on me because I just <laughs> love the sticky sweetness, you know, zero angst, over-the-top happiness. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, my God, is this the first lesbian Hallmark movie? Mm-hmm. It no. is, isn't it? Is it? No. It's not? It's not. And then I thought, like, is this, like, the first lesbian Christmas Hallmark movie? Uh, also, no. What? It's not. I know. A lot has happened in the past year. So, but I was committed at this point because yes. I had a back and forth with the actress uh, on Twitter. And so I'm like, okay, now I have to. I have to watch uh-huh. this movie. And so it's available on Hallmark streaming service, Hallmark Movies Now. And it's called Every Time a Bell Rings. Uh-huh. 
So I literally melted into this small town Christmas movie. And I'm going to read you the blurb because, you know, I'm really bad at this. Three sisters reunite in their hometown of Natchez and discover, it's a Mississippi, and discover their late father's plan, one last scavenger hunt for them to find the family's wishing bell, an annual holiday tradition. As they search for clues, their bond is rekindled and they find hope and healing. So the movie starts off and they're, I don't know how old they are, 10, 10 years old or so? Mm-hmm. And they're on their sweet little girl bikes, and they're on the scavenger hunt on Christmas Eve to find the Christmas bell. So their father hides the bell somewhere in town, this cute little awesome quaint town, mm-hmm. and leaves clues everywhere for the girls to go find. Like, oh, we have to go to the baker and get this clue, and blah, blah, blah. And then it fast forwards 20 years, and the girls have finally come back into town. Like, their father has passed, mm-hmm. so they're spending the holiday with their mother. And this is the first time they've been together as adults. At all? I think so. Yeah. Seems so odd, like but okay. Some, it's like two are really successful. One had kind of a failed professional life. Mm-hmm. And so so basically, here's what you have. You have three storylines. So you have two heterosexual sisters, and you have their storylines. And then you have the lesbian and her storyline. So you are your screen time, though, is, sh- is short. Mm-hmm. It's shortened because it's not a primary. I mean, it's a primary, but you're sharing it with two other storylines. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing you need to know about this movie. Okay. Like nobody, nobody drives a car. Except <laughs> for, like nobody drives a car. When the girls go to, like they, they decide to go on the scavenger hunt. Like their dad put one last one together. Mm-hmm. And so they get on their childhood bikes with the little baskets. And like one has a bright red one. Oh one my has God. a bright blue one. Yeah. And little baskets. And so they go on the scavenger hunt because nobody has a fucking car in this place. Except for the good looking guy who mm-hmm. like has one of those awesome old time trucks. Oh you know, yeah. The, the yeah. kind you only see in Hallmark <laughs> yes, films. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is so Hallmark. And his name is Liam. And so anyway, so it's just, it's that, that was, that made it Hallmarky that I was like, okay, it's totally corny, but I'm in. But I will say that this movie does discuss real problems, mm-hmm. you know, but not in a lifetimey way. More, it's a Hallmarky way, but it's like seriously serious problems. You know, one sister is worried about having a baby. Is she ready? Mm-hmm. Another one just got out of a bad relationship. And of course, of course, they have like the lesbian failed professional life. You know, ah, so geez. she goes back home. I know she goes back home. She's like working at the, the family business to try to. You know, I've get read it a online. Georgia Beers book like this. <laughs> it's been done. It's just been done. <laughs> so she just happens to be grabbing lunch at the one awesome diner slash outdoor restaurant. You know that like every town has oh, sure. one, and it's perfect, and it's you know decorated so perfectly. So she meets the love interest, and uh, she kind of gives her a recommendation of what to eat. Mm-hmm. And so they start talking, and it turns out that, that the love interest, and God help me, I can't think of her name, and her mother are in town. They are vacationing oh. in Natchez, the small little tiny town in Mississippi. But they're from somewhere in Louisiana, so it's like a two-hour drive. Hmm. Yeah, so basically it's cute because it's it's a Hallmark movie, so, you know, there's no, like love scenes they just have kissing scenes mm-hmm. and it's cute you know and um was- and and the acting you know is just adorable everything you know is the kissing believable the kissing is slightly awkward and i think it could just be that it's because it's the first kiss oh yeah you know and you know there is that te- so i mean at that part was kind of portrayed real it wasn't like 
you know, scooping her face and like <laughs> smooching on her. It wasn't like that. It was like the real tentative, like maybe this is the time for us to kiss. Yeah. And they kissed, you know, and it was sweet. So, you know, the acting is smooth and totally believable. And the transition scenes were really good. It, you know, it was a true Hallmark movie. Uh-huh. Like, like they put the money into this movie and they made it sweet and cheesy. And I totally loved it. I mean, it, it hit all of my boxes. Yay. So good. I want to try Small and see town. if I can find that one here in Canada. Because I've decided this is the year that I just want to embrace, like, total cheeseball Christmas. Yes. <laughs> This is it. And I was like, you know, I cheered on all the relationships in the story. I cheered on the uh, the woman who was married. I cheered on mm-hmm. the heterosexual romance that was blooming. And then, of course, you know, the lesbian. I was in. I was mm-hmm. like, I want all of every. And the mom was the mom um, from the movie Cujo. I've like, never seen. Go back. No. St- yeah. No. Nope. Stephen King, Cujo. Nope. So the mom, Not I don't I. know her name. But anyway, <laughs> she was in it. I love seeing movies where the... And and a lot of this, this happens a lot in Hall, Hallmark movies mm-hmm. where kind of, I hate to say the word has been like has been actors from the past show up in, in Hallmark movies later in life. And I love that. Yeah. The hey, it's that guy actor. Yes. It's kind of like yes. watching anything on the BBC where you're like, hey, I know that person because they've been in <laughs> everything else on right. the BBC. Yeah. The BBC, the 12 actors and, and That's right. <laughs> the BBC. Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, so that is what I watched this week. What about you? What is your official recommendation for us? All right. So my official recommendation is not a Christmas book, but I would call it Christmas adjacent. Christmas happens in okay. during this book. It is called Read Between the Lines by Rachel Lacey. And it has a bookstore owner, Rosie Taft. She's you know, she took over the store in it's in Manhattan. She took it over when her mother passed away. But the only thing is she, you know, she doesn't have a, have a girlfriend, hasn't had one for a long time. But she's kind of struck up uh, an ongoing conversation, possibly a tiny bit flirtatious in Twitter DMs with her favorite author, who goes Ooh. by the name of Brie. Brie writes lesbian romance. Not that this kind of thing ever happens in our community <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Never, ever, <laughs> ever in the history of lesbian has <sighs> ever happened in our community. I love that it just feels like inside baseball. I'm like, hmm, thinking about people. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway, right. so she, and she, you know, she's tried to get, because she learned that Brie lives in New York uh, somewhere, and she, you know, she's invited her to do a signing at her store, and Brie's like, no, 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 I'm so, so private. I'm a very, very private, quiet person. But things kind of go bad for her when she gets an eviction notice for her store that basically says, you've been an incredible tenant, but you gotta go. Now... It this letter came from you know Breslin I forget the name of the company like Breslin Property something 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 like that whatever it's like a big ass property company in New York City but Jane Breslin is the one who sent her this letter and you know she by day works for the family business by night she is an author named Bree stop yes stop <laughs> yes oh let me guess it's just business. Yes. It's just business. But she We've doesn't know. How does she not know? Because the um she thinks it's just a fan. She doesn't know that this fan also owns this bookstore. 
How does she not know? Because this is a reinterpretation of you oh, got okay. mail. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds really familiar. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so <laughs> I so enjoyed this book. And even in the acknowledgments, it said, I, listen, don't yell at me. I always skip to the end of books. That is the ah, thing I do. You- what? We haven't talked about this before? I think we have, but I, I just block it out because I'm like, that can't be right. So it's blocked <laughs> out. So every time you tell me, I'm like in total shock. Occasionally, I don't. Occasionally, I don't. But I almost always do. Although Kindle changed some settings recently that's made it harder. So I do it less often <laughs> yes. now. And I'm just like, fuck you, Kindle. I'd like to be able to do this more easily. Give me back Ready my go, back Kindle. button. Give me my back button back. But I saw I saw the acknowledgments and she kind of was like, and yes, if you think this was inspired by a certain film from the 90s, it was. I hadn't seen the film in so long either that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch it because, you know. It's amazing. Well, and also it had been so long and I, I wanted to see how much the book follows the film because, you know, it's not uncommon for fanfic to turn into original fic in lesfic. There's tons and tons of authors that have done it. But also there are times, you know, when we've heard about books that perhaps stay too close to the original. And so I was just curious, how close is this to the original? And I thought it did a really, really lovely job of updating it, first of all, to where we are now. Obviously, like, AOL email is not... a thing anymore so i thought you know putting it in twitter dms is really clever because yeah that is often like how author reader interactions right. happen uh, speaking like as a reader who has talked to a whole bunch of authors through twitter dms <laughs> this is true or as Facebook a writer DMs. who has received dms mm-hmm. in the twitter <laughs> mm-hmm. but like so watching you've got mail i realized it doesn't hold up as well as i would have hoped oh yeah because Basically, everything from the point at which Joe realizes who Shop Girl actually is. You know, when he goes into the coffee shop and he's a complete and total dickhead to her? <laughs> yeah. And then kind of, sp- and then realizes that, like, oh, no, wait, but when I'm with her, she makes me happy. So he decides to woo her and doesn't tell her that he's the guy, but uses this inside information to bring her around so that at the end of the film, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the final line of a film, but like it's been out since the nineties. So right. <laughs> I'm not that sorry, but she, when he shows up, she says, I hoped it was you. I wanted it to be you. And I was like, fuck that. He gaslit you. He manipulated <laughs> he you. This is right. not okay. And so what I love is that there is zero gaslighting in this book except she doesn't know where this person like people know where i, I guess how does i don't know but you people usually tell me like what their jobs are like hey uh i can't talk now i've got to go to work or whatever and they usually say oh i work here i, I do this for yeah. a living i just feel like if you have a back and forth with someone like i know what you do you know what i do so she didn't she didn't say bookstore because she didn't want it to be weird that she had invited but she asked her yeah but not through those dms like when she invited oh, her to be a part okay. of the store it was like an official request from the store as the owner versus like i am just a fan interacting with this author and she didn't tell her that she was from the bookstore because she didn't want it to be weird she didn't want well, it could... to... hmm? did she have like some weird 
name, like Shop Girl 57 or whatever. I mean, she had like, something. I was going to say, because how do you not, as a evictee or evictor, like when you're getting rid of somebody, look, hey, this girl's name just happens to be blah, blah, blah. Hey, I think I'm talking to somebody by that name. Well, I mean, there are I know, a just, lot I'm, of people on Twitter that are completely anonymous because they disbelief yeah i i get it yeah yeah so i just i can't remember give me that's well, okay i mean i i it's it's yes i'm i get it and i'm sorry for like going down and like what about this this is unbelievable what i need this to is do unbelievable yeah. this total fiction <laughs> book. no it's not it's bullshit no. <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want somebody to like look at my stuff that closely so as long as it was a feel good and oh, it's, you know, it wasn't a gaslighting. Thing no, not at all. Not at all. It was okay. So her all Twitter right. handle was Aurelia Rose, one one three, which okay. you know that is not you know given that her name is Rosie, you know, like it would have been, right, yeah. you know, it was different enough. So yeah, I like that the reveal comes much 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 sooner in this book than it does. I think that would have been a bigger problem. And so I felt like they were able to build a relationship on like really solid, fair, equitable ground in a way that wasn't possible in You've Got Mail, unfortunately. Although I did think it was cute that there's a dog in there named Brinkley. I thought that was a nice little carryover, which is the same name as the dog. The dog who is the best character in You've Got Mail. No, that's not fair. That's not fair. The I really liked. See, now I feel like I'm doing a thing about You've Got Mail and about this book. Sorry, I didn't mean. I'm. It's my oh, fault. But like, I think it's my fault. I could be wrong. But isn't it, it Meg is Ryan's? It's, I think it might be Meg Ryan's cutest role ever. For sure, the cutest. Yes, cutest for sure. She's so cute in that because she's a fucking psycho in Sleepless in Seattle. That is not. Yeah, cute. that's that yeah. is not a cute movie. That does not hold up. She is a stalker, but like, she's yeah. so cute. And you've got mail, like some of her inflections and how she says things, and some of her like. When she, like, races across a room and the way she runs is just so cute. And so, yeah, okay, this is the Meg Ryan appreciation time. And I'm done with that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I think the thing that I liked, I can't point to similar lesfic books, but I feel like I have read stories. I'm almost positive I've read stories before where you're like, how are they going to get together given the fact that one of them has done something that it's just business, but, like, it's directly right. detrimental to the other person's livelihood. Right. And I feel like it really digs into that. It doesn't gloss over it. And the way it handles it is really, really good. And I loved seeing Jane trying to negotiate the whole... Like, she doesn't actually want to work for her family's business. She wants to be an author full-time. She wants to be a lesbian author full-time. And how do you make that work? what are the realities of it because while the fan base or the following will say for lesbian romance is passionate and they you know especially if they're a fan of a specific author they will buy every book they will show up every right. time they will do everything they they will support patreons like they will do things to try to make this financially viable for the author it is still a small niche section right of publishing there are not many authors that i've heard of that can live off of their own writing alone especially if they're single right i thought the realities 
the realities around that were handled really well. The other thing that I thought was really cute is that this is very much a book that knows it's a romance novel and is playing with that and was like, well, if this was, you know, Jane contemplating, well, if this was one of my books, then maybe this wouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's it's almost like a meta. It, like, it just feels very meta. Like, it's a romance novel commenting on romance novels. It's very cute. It's well, it does sound fun. cute. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So I have never read Rachel Lacey before. Uh, I am absolutely going to read her books again. There is another book that I believe is going to be coming out this spring that follows one of the side characters. So Rosie, her best friend, who kind of helps. The the store is Rosie's very much, but like Leah is obviously like her her right-hand person. You know, she handles all the numbers, like that kind of thing. And so Leah is going to find love in the next book. And I'm very excited to read about that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. So that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to me rant at length about my most hated movie (laughs) of all my life. Definitely of this year, if not my life. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show and if you've enjoyed this rant, we don't, I don't think we rant that often, but if you enjoyed it, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so that you will get notified whenever we have an episode come out. If you have a friend who you think would like the show, please tell them about it. And if you would like to support the show, we also have a link to our Kofi in the show notes where you can send a little money our way, which will go towards just, you know, upkeep and keeping the show going. You absolutely don't have to. It's totally not necessary, but it's there if you're interested. Right. And if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, just search for Crayley Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can email us at podcast at com. And you can also find Tara and I separate on all of these same aforementioned social media platforms. And we're out. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>